This is part two of my wedding day recap, written and narrated by me, Christina Fenner. Welcome back. We've covered so much in part one, and there's still so much that I want to chat about today in my wedding recap part two. So let's get right to it. Since part one, I've had a lot of questions in my DMs asking about how I incorporated Riley, Dustin's daughter, into our wedding day. I do think that how you choose to incorporate kids into your wedding day heavily depends on their age, your relationship with them, and your personal preference. Since Riley is almost 13 and less than an inch shorter than me, I decided to have her as a junior maid of honor, as opposed to a flower girl. She picked out a dress that matched the bridesmaid's dresses, and I let her completely decide on her nails, hair, and makeup. I wanted this day to be as special for her as it was for me. And I knew that at that age, she would appreciate being able to make some of the same decisions that the other girls in my bridal party were making. Now, would have navy blue nail polish been my first choice for her to wear? Eh, not exactly. But I didn't care because what mattered most to me was that she was having that special experience for herself. I know that some people might not agree with our decision, but Dustin and I let Riley determine if she wanted to wear makeup and how much. As I mentioned in part one, we hired the painted pair to come and do hair and makeup the morning of the wedding, and I gave them and Riley free reign. Riley picked out a wonderful hairstyle and explained how she would like her makeup done. And of course, the painted pair did a wonderful job at finding the perfect balance between keeping it age-appropriate and still something that Riley absolutely loved, and most importantly, got to pick out all by herself. Another way that I included Riley was that I gave her little special tasks for the big day. For example, once I got up to the altar, I asked Riley to fluff and fan out the train of my dress. We practiced a couple times, and I really think she loved having that special job for the big day that was just for her. Riley is also an amazing baker. Like, she cooks things that I actually enjoy and look forward to eating. So her and my sister Nicole made homemade muffins the night before the wedding for the wedding party to have for breakfast the next day. I think one of the best decisions I made was delegating and giving Riley special tasks to do that only she got to do. That not only made her feel included with the other bridesmaids, but it also made her feel a little extra special. Now, of course, I know Riley enough to only ask her to do things that she would enjoy. Don't get it twisted. This is not some Cinderella evil stepmother bullshit here. As far as my vows go, it was important to me to not only acknowledge Dustin, but to also acknowledge Riley as well, especially because she's been in my life since she was three years old. I wanted to keep my vows to Riley a secret from Dustin, so the morning of the wedding, I explained to Riley that during the ceremony, as soon as you finish hearing me reading the vows to her dad, that I then wanted her to go stand beside him because I had some things that I would like to read to her as well. I also let Greg, our officiant, know my plan. So just in case Riley forgot, he could cue her and ask her to go stand beside Dustin. My vows to Riley were sweet, simple, and short. They truly were written directly to her. Riley and I have a very close bond, and I was happy to share those with her. Except I couldn't really look at her because she was crying and I was struggling to keep it together and get through the vows without blotting. I am so happy that I decided to include a special part just for Riley in my vows. All right, moving on to a really important part, food. A great piece of advice that I have for you 
is to make it easy for you to eat the morning of your wedding. Have a plan in place before the morning of, because I can almost guarantee you won't be hungry and you won't be thinking about someone running to the store for chips and subs. Also, I promise they probably won't have time to do so anyway. This is a serious mistake that I have seen quite a few brides make. They don't eat the morning of their wedding because they're not hungry, and then they feel like shit for the rest of the day because once the adrenaline wears off, mixed with a few mimosas, you're going to be wishing that you had a bag full of chips to stuff your face with. Knowing this, I went ahead and made sure that there was plenty of food options already in place while we were getting ready. As I mentioned, in the morning, my sister and Riley brought muffins and fresh fruit to the Airbnb first thing. So even before we started getting ready, everyone could have a bite to eat. And then, later on, I had a Subway platter ordered for lunch that my mom picked up and brought to the Airbnb around noon. This was perfect because we still had about an hour until first look, and everyone had the chance to quickly grab a sub and some chips to mow down on before the day really got started. This was a wonderful decision and definitely one that I highly encourage. However, you do have to put that plan in place before the big day to avoid potential oversight, stress, and confusion. Even if that means just throwing something in a crock pot the night before, that's fine. But I do not suggest just trying to throw something together or figure something out the morning of. Speaking of the morning of, I cannot stress enough how important it is to not do anything. Trust me, the only thing you're going to want to think about or worry about the morning of your wedding is you, which means it's time to delegate, hand things over, and to already have things set and in place for somebody else to take over. Newsflash, you should not be the one setting up your venue the morning of the wedding. Have someone, a friend, an aunt, a coordinator, a day of helper, anyone, someone who is just taking care of every last minute thing. Now, this is coming from the queen of control freaks, so trust me when I say that it can be done and it can be done well, unless it's a serious decision, which hopefully at this point, all of those have already been made. Give your coordinator, your friend, your whoever, your maid of honor's phone number, and they can then become the point of contact for the morning of if needed. Trust me, if things are going to get stressful and out of control, it's first thing in the morning. So do what you can to put a plan in place to avoid these kinds of things. Enjoy being a bride, sip that mimosa, and please leave everything to someone else the morning of, and you can thank me later. Furthermore on this point, please remember that sometimes shit happens that is way out of our control. However, there is a right and a wrong way to handle these things. For example, the morning of my own wedding, my sister Brooke totaled her car on her way to the Airbnb. Thankfully, she was perfectly okay, but I didn't know anything about it until my other sister Kelly was already on her way to pick her up. Of course, this was a very serious situation and one that literally everybody wished didn't happen. But how everyone handled it was literally perfect to a T. Everything was handled so well that I was sending stupid TikTok videos to Brooke via text while she was sitting on the side of the road waiting for a tow truck. Trust me when I say, most times the bride is better off not knowing most things until and unless they are handled or absolutely necessary. Again, thankfully Brooke was fine, no scratches, bumps, or bruises, but she definitely needed a mimosa when she showed up. Okay, 
This next one, I can't believe that I'm talking about publicly, and I'm almost certain that you probably won't find this tip anywhere on Pinterest. But here goes nothing. The morning of your wedding. Take time to use the bathroom. Yes, you know what I mean. And for those out there like me that get shy or uncomfortable in unfamiliar or public spaces, just trust me. Have a plan in place or else you will definitely regret it. Remember how in part one I told you that I made the decision to sleep at home the night before the wedding? Well, this is how I addressed and handled that issue. And moving on, let's jump ahead and talk about the reception. This tip actually came from my sweet friend and coordinator, Dory, which this was actually not something that I'd ever thought of. So thanks, Dory. She reminded me to make sure that I had delegated someone to take all of the gifts and cards from the reception. Personally, I have never attended a wedding where there were sticky hands, nor did I think any of my guests would do such a thing. But it was more of the simple fact that it was one less thing that I had to worry about keeping track of on my wedding day. I knew that my parents and aunts wouldn't be staying too terribly long at the reception, and so I put them in charge of taking the cards and any gifts on the table home with them for me to retrieve later. However, I definitely suggest keeping the card box there at the reception and having someone just take the cards because later on that night, Dory opened the card box and found more cards in there that guests had put in there later. So have someone take the cards, but leave the card box and definitely make sure to delegate this task. So nothing goes missing. And that's one less thing that you have to worry about. Two people that were sadly not able to make it to the wedding was my grandma and my grandpa. However, in order to include them, I set up a Zoom call, gave my phone to my aunt, and she was in charge of making sure that my grandparents still got to see the ceremony. I borrowed Greg's tripod that had a phone holder on it, so no one had to worry about holding the phone the entire time. They could set it on the ground, make sure the Zoom call was live, and enjoy the ceremony for themselves. This did take some time to set up and finagle, so I definitely recommend doing all of this, setting up the meeting, sending the link, designating someone to be in charge of the phone, etc., doing that all before the big day arrives. It was a wonderful way to still include my grandparents, even if they couldn't be there in person. Next up, something that I absolutely loved was that we kept our rehearsal dinner fairly small. I knew that I wanted to be able to spend some intentional time with just our wedding party and my out-of-town family, so we were a little stingy with the rehearsal dinner invites. Believe me, I know, it can be easy for the rehearsal dinner or brunch invitations to grow and grow. However, especially if there's a group of people who you want to make absolute certain that you get to spend a good amount of time with, then the smaller the better. One of the sort of last minute decisions that we decided to make, or I should say Dustin made, was that we decided to reserve a big table at the Lobster House versus just having a big cookout. That way, Dustin and I didn't have to worry about buying and cooking food. This was a great decision. The best part about this dinner was the fact that our entire wedding party, plus their spouses for the most part, all know each other and we all hang out very regularly. So there was very little introductions to be made or awkward small talk. One of my biggest takeaways from my wedding was how lucky and blessed Dustin and I are to have such a strong and tight-knit group of friends and family. Another wonderful thing about keeping it small was that I was able to spend way more time with my aunts, Shannon and Sharon, and my sister, Nicole, who I don't get to see very often. Spending time with them was one of my highest priorities throughout this entire wedding process. 
Okay, so let's talk a little more about vendors at your wedding. Being a vendor myself, I knew that there were a few important things that I wanted to make sure that I considered while planning my own wedding. The first one being having a designated space for my vendors to sit and eat at. You would be shocked how often this is overlooked. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Remember to include your day of vendors into your seating and meal plan. I went ahead and set up what I prefer to experience as a vendor, and that was to set aside a regular guest table specifically for the vendors. It looked just like a regular guest table with plates, silverware, glasses, centerpieces, etc. But on my seating chart, the only people seated at that table were my photographers, my coordinator, and my DJ. Yes, there were a few empty chairs at that table, but trust me, that is always appreciated because they have room to set down equipment and spread out a little. The position and placement of the vendor table in the room was also very intentional. I put this table near the DJ booth and also near the head table. The vendor table was also in the last row of tables bordering the dance floor, which made getting up and sitting down quickly very easily. That way, if our photographer needed to hop up for a photo or a DJ needed to hop up to change a song, it was very easy and seamless for them. Don't forget, if you have a vendor table, remember to include it in your seating chart so the vendors know where they can set their stuff down at. More on the vendors, a widely popular question that I've been asked is if brides should tip their wedding vendors, and if so, how much? I have actually done my best to avoid this question in the past because being a vendor myself, I really didn't want to sound sleazy, but now that I've been a bride, I can share with you what I personally did and what I thought was appropriate. And then you can take that for what it is and make your own decision. In short, yes, I tipped all of my wedding vendors and the amounts varied from $50 to $100 each based on my total bill owed. My thought is, if someone is performing a service for you, whether that be a haircut or catering your wedding, it is appropriate to tip. The amount is entirely up to you, and in my opinion, it should be based on the amount of your bill and or your satisfaction of your experience and time with them. The part B to this question that I often get asked is how do you handle tipping if there are multiple people working for one company? So here's how I usually handle that as a vendor. If I receive a tip from a wedding couple, I always split it evenly 50-50 with my second shooter. However, if there are two separate envelopes, one for each of us, then we both keep whatever amount the couple chose to put in our individual envelopes. I actually did the same thing with my caterer. My caterer had his own envelope, and then I had separate envelopes for the three team members that he brought with him that day. So, if you want to decide how the tip is separated then make sure you have individual envelopes for each person with their name on it. If you want the vendors to decide how they will split it amongst themselves, then just put it all in one envelope. It's also really helpful to give your coordinator or day of helper the envelopes to distribute to the vendors. Again, this eliminates one more thing that you have to keep track of the day of. Dory did this for us, and the night before the wedding rehearsal, I gave her all of the thank you envelopes, and she passed them out to the vendors the next morning. Of course, choosing to tip or not is entirely up to the couple to determine. It's never expected, but it's always appreciated. For Dustin and I, this was never a question of whether or not we were going to tip, because for me, I know how great it feels to walk away from a job well done with a little extra and unexpected jingle in my pocket. 
and I definitely wanted that same feeling for my vendors on my big day. One of the biggest insights that has changed the way that I now photograph other people's weddings is the importance of detail shots. Of course, prior to my own wedding, we would heavily photograph any details, whether it be at the ceremony, the reception, the morning of, etc. But I didn't have the level of appreciation for those kind of photos until now. As I mentioned in part one, as a bride, there's a lot that you may or may not see in its full glory on the wedding day. Things like our signature drink sign and setup. I worked hard on creating that setup, and I know it looked beautiful. But honestly, I can't really remember if I went up and actually looked at it on the day of. That's definitely something that I am so excited to have a photo to look back on. Another example would be our dessert bar. I remember going up to it only to cut the cake, but I didn't really get a good look at it. Again, that's something else that I'm very happy to have a photo of. Trust me, I know, there is so much time and effort that goes into creating these day of details and setups, and I can honestly say that now, I have such a larger appreciation and understanding for how special those kind of photos can be for a bride, myself included. All right, so to wrap this up, I'm answering the by far most popular topic that I have been asked about, and that is if Dustin and I achieved our goal of paying for our wedding without acquiring any additional debt, and if so, if I have any tips or hidden secrets on how we did so. Yes, I am so thrilled to be able to say that Dustin and I reached our goal, but honestly, it felt way out of reach at times. If you missed it, I have a whole podcast episode about budgeting for your wedding. So if you haven't listened to that one, I definitely suggest listening to that episode next. Okay, so honestly, one of the biggest factors that determined our success was time. We had two full years to save and budget, and we used every bit of those two years. As in, my last little bit of saving ended just days before the wedding. One of the biggest downfalls that I experienced as a bride was how skewed these average numbers of a wedding were that I found on Pinterest. The North Country is an interesting place, and while we don't have a whole lot of options as far as vendors go, we do have access to vendors from larger cities, like Syracuse, Watertown, the Adirondacks, so it does tend to throw off our numbers a little. Sorry guys, but even those little small weddings add up quick. Remember, just because you're having less people doesn't always mean that the vendor fee will be lower. Unless it's the caterer or the bar tab, less people does not always mean less money. I will also be transparent in saying that some portions of our cost were alleviated due to the barter system. I traded some of my work and services for some cash off of our bills with some of our vendors. Now I realize that that's a little uncommon. But hey, that was our situation, and that was an opportunity that presented itself, and we were happy to take full advantage. I talked about this in my budgeting episode, and it still remains true today. The best method for saving up some serious cash is being diligent about taking a portion of money every time you get paid and setting it aside. This is very easy to do no matter what your pay schedule looks like. Honestly, the hardest part is determining how much you need to take each time you get paid and determining how long you need to save for in order to hit your goal. But once you have all that done, it is super easy. However, I will say that it can be very tempting to get into the mindset of, oh, well, I'll just double up next time I get paid. It's a very good thing that we stuck to it because two months before my wedding, 
my car shit the bed. And the next thing we knew, we were chucking out cash at a dealership. We actually made the risky decision to dive into our wedding fund and pull out cash to put down on a vehicle to avoid a higher car payment. I'm not going to lie, we were pretty nervous, and this was definitely a risk. However, driving a horse and buggy wasn't an option either. It was a curveball that we were not anticipating, but all in all, it worked out. I really do think that the secret sauce here is having a plan, having enough time, and sticking to it. No, it was not easy, but it was so worth it. A week before the wedding, one of the last tasks that I had to get done was to take out cash and settle all remaining balances with my vendors. Yes, I said cash. Sorry, Uncle Sam, but I know how it is being a small business owner. I wanted to make sure that there wasn't any room for error the day of, and I definitely didn't want to be in charge of handling that much cash on such a busy day. We used the envelope system, and each vendor had their own envelope. That way, when I was headed out to see each vendor, I grabbed the pre-counted envelope and out the door I went. This was a really seamless and easy process. The only vendor I didn't get a chance to pay until the day of was our caterer. And again, I assigned this job and envelope to Dory to distribute. One thing that I did not account for was being required to use a credit card when renting our shuttle van and our rental car for my out-of-town friends. This was like actually really annoying because I hate using my credit cards, but I can't remember the last time I needed to rent a car and I totally forgot that you must use a credit card and they don't even give you the option to pay cash. Which, thinking about that now, totally makes sense, because that seriously hinders your ability to just pay cash and steal a car or some shit. Anyway, both times that we rented the car and the shuttle, the company not only charged the card for the rental fee, but also put a hold of 300 bucks on the card as well. You know, just in case you decide to steal the car, they can slap your ass with that hefty fine. Thankfully, we had enough credit on the card in order to accommodate the fees plus the holds, but this is definitely something that you're going to want to remember if you're renting any kind of shuttle or car for the wedding day. And then, of course, like I mentioned in part one, we were charged extra because we forgot to fill the shuttle with gas and we turned in the rental car a few hours late. Let me tell you, they don't mess around with those extra fees. I'm sure Capital One is super impressed with me right now. In conclusion, I think it's safe to say that Dustin and I are extremely pleased and do feel that everything was worth every single penny. Our mindset from the beginning was that it's one day, and this one day that we've waited and saved for for so long, so we might as well do it how we want. Go big or go home. Kinda. But that's also why we waited so long to get married in the first place. We wanted to have the wedding that we've always wanted but didn't want to go broke doing so either. Throughout this entire process, I've discovered that I really love having a financial challenge or goal. That feeling of accomplishment gives me such a high like no other, so it shouldn't be a surprise that we've already started a new savings challenge for a honeymoon trip next year. All right, well, I think that about covers it for my wedding recap. I hope you enjoyed and maybe even learned a thing or two. As always, if I've missed something, feel free to chat me up in the DMs and I'll be happy to help. At some point, I will definitely be chatting all about our favorite and must-have registry items. But until then, cheering you on from my couch, Christina.